I feel like there's a barrel, like a wall between us. Um, it's great to be again this morning. And obviously, with what Tim was just sharing, it might take a bit to process some of that in your hearts. But as Tim was alluding to, it, that's not the end of us by any means. And I hope you agree with that. I hope you can see that. Because when we think about the church, this is Christ's church. Yeah, it's not my church, it's not John's church, it's not the trustees, although technically it belong, this building might belong to them, it's not Tim's, it's not any of our church, it's Christ's church. And as I was thinking about the church, I was thinking about how it's so important that the church, well the youth have just left, come back, no, because they're part of the church, Amen. But the, the church is Christ's body. And there was a few verses that I was just thinking of connected with the church. In Acts it says, The Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Do you know in the church that it's the Lord who adds to the church? And the Lord moves people, the Lord adds and takes away but then it says in Psalms 127, unless the Lord builds the church, those who labour, labour in vain. And that's a verse we've heard many times. But we need to know these things because it's the Lord who builds the church. But then it says in 1 Peter, it says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are living stones. You are a living stone building up this spiritual house for Christ. It says in Ephesians 2 that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God is preparing works for his church to do. And the one that John mentioned last week, he said, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you. And that's each of us, but all of us, corporately. That we are the church. We are Christ's church. And the Lord is building his church. And I believe that we're in a really unique time. That God is moving powerfully. Not just in Elton Green Community Church, but in this nation and in the world. I believe God is doing something new. And God is moving in new ways, in powerful ways. And God is doing that. But we are part of that. It says we are his workmanship. We are his co-workers with him. And that we are his living stones. That we are the ones... I always love that living stones analogy. Because it's not, you're not a brick. You're not a brick. You're a living stone. You're not just you know, cemented into a wall and that's your lot. But you're a living stone by being used by God to build the thing that God wants to build. That's you. And as we think about the church, it's really important that we, in a sense, take the news that what Tim's just shared and absorb it in the light of what God is doing. Because when we think about, because you can think, oh no, what, what about this, what about that? Oh, did, did God not think about that when he called Tim out? God has a plan for his church. God has a plan for this church. And his plan for this church is greater than we could ever think. We don't always understand it, because you can look at things and think, what about this, what about that? But God sees it all. God knows what is best for his kingdom. And so I want us to think about the church, and I want us to think about what God is doing and wants to do in the church. And I was listening to this analogy the other day about the church, and someone said this. He said, in, in the church, there's no bench. Apart from that one at the back. Apart from that, there's no bench. <laughs> and I remember growing up, and I loved being part of teams. I loved being part of sports, always wanting to play, always wanting to participate. I hated being on the bench. 
I remember that time when we had a football team in the church and, and normally I was in the team and then one day my brother was in charge of the team and he put me on the bench. <laughs> and I was just like, oh man, I hated it. I didn't want to be watching. I want to be in there playing. Even I remember my, my dad, when we were young, he used to, my dad used to play bowls, green bowls, a lot. And he used to take me along. And I don't know what I used to do, probably just sit there and like, there was no tablets or anything to play on in those days. So, but I remember one occasion, and he said, someone's not turned up, you might have to play. Now, bearing in mind, I was probably like 10 or 11 and had never played before, apart from in the garden. And I was like, yes, this is my moment. I, I can get in there and I can play. And then I'm like psyching myself up, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then suddenly this bloke turns up. And I was like, oh, it's so annoying. Because I want to be in it. I want to play. I want to make a difference. And in the church, there's no bench. There's no subs waiting to come on. There's no spectators in the stands kind of giving their opinion. No, if you're in the stands, people have always got great opinions in the stands. They always know exactly what the coach should be doing, exactly all the mistakes players are making, and always thinking, you know what, I could do better than that. But there's no stands in the church. There's no bench. Everyone is in the game. Everyone is in the game. So if you are part of this church, not this church apart from God's church, you are in the game. In the scriptures, Paul talks about the church like a body. And he uses this analogy because there are many parts of a body playing many different roles. And he, he takes this analogy and he says, we're all varied, we're all different, and you can't look at other pieces of the body and say, I want to be like that, I want to be like that. Because your role is your role. The, the, the nose can't say to the ear, I want to be a, an ear, I want to hear. Because even if you took my nose and put it where my ear is, it still cannot hear. It's a nose. It smells. That's what it does. And so, easy over there. Uh, so each part is, is important. And I was thinking about the body, and I, I was looking at these great facts about the body. And I'll read you some amazing facts about the body. Did you know your pinky finger, your little finger... Without it, you would lose 50% of your hand's strength. 50% if you lost your finger. You might not think your little finger is that important. It is. Did you know that your heart beats 100,000 times a day? 100,000 times a day, pumping five and a half litres a minute, which adds up to three million litres of blood a year. Your heart is working hard, you know? You might not give it much thought, but your heart is working hard. Does anyone know what the strongest bone in your body is? Yeah. Femur. That's this one here. The thigh bone. It's the longest, it's the heaviest, and the strongest bone in the entire body. I'm glad you said that, because if I was wrong, this wouldn't work. Because <laughs> it supports all your weight, and it supports whenever you stand, whenever you're standing up, it's supporting all that weight, and can... There was a, another fact, I can't remember it, but it, it actually takes a lot more weight than we even give it. <coughs> For a human, adult human, one step takes 200 muscles. 200 muscles to take one step. 200 muscles are in, in action. Do you know the lining of your stomach is replaced every four to five days to prevent it, otherwise... It digests itself. It doesn't, isn't nice. And did you know that the human eye can distinguish approximately 10 million different colours? 10 million. I didn't even know if there were 10 million. But that's your eye. Your body is amazing. But there's loads of things in your body that you might not even know are important, that are active, that are working hard. But each part is so important. And I remember once... If anyone's ever had this before, they can sympathise with me. I had an ingrown toenail, and I might have shared this before, but I had an ingrown toenail. And if you've ever had an ingrown toenail, and it's 
it can get really, really painful. I remember coming off the train at Eltham Station and I had to walk up to the high street and I was in so much pain, I just wanted to lie down and cry. I just couldn't walk. Seriously, that much pain. Now, you know how hard I am, so it must have been really painful. Um, I was in that much pain, I just wanted to lie down and cry. And when you actually realise what it is, it's this little bit of nail that's just a couple of millimetres. That's all it is. But it's digging right into a nerve at the wrong place, and it incapacitates you. It's painful. And there are loads of different examples like that in your body, that one little thing that's not working right can have such a big impact. Imagine if your heart didn't beat 100,000 times a day, it just beated 90,000 times a day. Still a lot, but that would probably give you some problems, you know? Every part of the body has a role. And every part is really important, even those parts you don't even see, even those parts you don't even realise or know about. But they're really important. And therefore, if a body isn't working effectively, if the things that are supposed to be working don't work, your body is sick. Now, we've got a healing meeting tonight for that, but I'm talking about the church today. And if in the church we have parts of the body that are not operating correctly then the, the body's going to be sick. The, if you've ever had something wrong with you, and your body does compensate for it, whether it's a bad leg, you compensate for it, and your other leg gets stronger, maybe, or something like that, or your arms, if you've got to push yourself around, and you compensate. But when we think about the body of Christ, we don't want to be compensating. I really, my heart for our church is that we are a body that is moving effectively and I believe that we are in a day that we need to be doing that. More and more. It's always been the case, but more and more we need to do that as a church. And I'm talking about Elton Green Community Church. Do you know, I need you. I need you. Every one of you. I need you. Because there are things that you can do that I cannot do. There are just some things you can do that I cannot do. I am not the full expression of this church by any stretch of the imagination. I am not the full expression of this church. There are things that you can do better than me. We can all do bits and bobs, but there are things that you can do that are better than that I can do. And there are things that I'm not free to do if I am doing the thing that you should be doing. Because if God places everyone in the body and he's given them works to do, then that's what we should be doing, doing the thing that God has given us, not the thing that God has given somebody else. And that's why, if you read on the newsletter, I came up with this it came up to my mind, this phrase, all hands on deck. Now that's when you, you know, I, I don't think any of us have been on a ship, probably when that's been cried out. All hands on deck, maybe you have. But the idea is everyone needs to get to their place and, and work. Now, I was thinking about that, and it's not a cry of panic, but a cry of necessity. Because we're not in panic stations. Oh no, quick, everyone, quick, do something, look busy. But we are out of necessity. We need to be doing the things you're doing. Because on a ship, if, everyone's, if someone's not where they need to be and they're not pulling the rope they need to pull, then the sail probably won't go up or it'll flap or it won't, and their thing won't work. And then you might get in trouble. And I believe we're in a time where we need all hands on deck. Everyone to get off the bench. Because what our aim is as a church is to be a spirit-filled Spirit-led church. Because we are not just a club. We're not a club. We're not a nice place to come and in a few weeks you'll be able to come and get your coffee and get your cake. You know, even this morning, come and have a donut. Um, during the week you can come and meet your friends and all that. It's, we do that, but that is not what we are. That's not what we're for. There are many clubs out there. 
in this world. There are, you can go and join any other, many other clubs, but we are something different. And we are a spirit-filled, spirit-led church. And we need to make sure that that is how we are going to operate going forward. Because do you realize that you are a spiritual being? You are a spiritual being. And we are a spiritual body. And so God has given us tools to ensure that we grow as a spiritual body. And I want to encourage us this morning about some of these tools. And they can be called spiritual gifts. And maybe you've heard many sermons about spiritual gifts. If you've been around the church for a while, you've probably heard many sermons about spiritual gifts. But I want to challenge us this morning, that are we actually moving in the gift that God has given us? Maybe here this morning, you've never heard about spiritual gifts, and you're like, I don't even know what that is. But, so in that sense, I want to introduce you, because if you've got a Bible, we're going to be kind of just looking through uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because the very first thing Paul says to the Corinthians in chapter 12, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And that was my heart for, the, for this church, that where we come to think about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't know if you feel fully informed or you feel completely uninformed this morning, but it just showed me that there, there can be times where we don't talk about certain things, and therefore we grow a bit grey about them, we get a bit unaware, or they fall to the back of our mind. But this is really important, that we are not uninformed. So today we're going to look at some of these things and remind ourselves of some of these key things to remember. It's going to read in chapter 12, verse 4 and 5, 6. It says, Now there are various gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So just as Paul talks about, he talks about it later, about the body having different parts, he says, in the body, we all have different gifts. There are a variety of gifts. There's not just one gift. There's not just one role. There's a variety. And you can read about some of these in this chapter and elsewhere in the scriptures as well. There are lots of different gifts, but I also believe that the scripture doesn't cover every single gift there is. You know, it's not probably like my list is limited to this. There, it doesn't talk about music in, when it talks about spiritual gifts, for example, or worship leading or anything like that. And so there are other things that are probably in that gifts because what the gifts are are manifestations of the spirit. So when we talk about spiritual gifts, having a spiritual gift, what we're saying is we come and we manifest the Spirit of God to others. And that God has given to each of us something to manifest, to show to other people about himself, to give to other people. And so every one of you this morning, if you are part of the body of Christ, has a spiritual gift that God is asking you to manifest to the world around you. Now, maybe you think, I haven't got anything to give, I can't do anything, but God is saying differently about you. Each of us has a unique gift as well, and this is what I was saying about we can't imitate others. Now, there are certain gifts that you might see being used in the church more regularly, Obviously, every week we come and we will see people leading the meeting, leading worship, speaking, very evident gifts. Today, it was wonderful to see as well people prophesying, bringing the word of God. But there's more. There's people who are welcoming and encouraging. There are people who are serving. The ladies were out in the kitchen making food, which is brilliant. And these are all gifts that God can give us. And there are a variety of gifts, very different gifts, and not everyone can do the same thing. 
And sometimes one thing that will stop us from doing the thing God has given us to do is because we're looking at the thing God has given somebody else to do and we're more preoccupied with that than doing what we should be doing. We need to be able to realise, I'm going to get on to how we might do this later, but realising what has God given to me? Because God has made you unique. There's only one of you. Even if you've got an identical twin, they're different to you. They are not you. They are not identical because they are different. You are uniquely made by God for a purpose that God has put upon your life that no one else can fulfill in the way that you can fulfill it. I want you to sing that in. Only, only you can do that. No one else can. And the reason is because these gifts, they are spiritual gifts. Now, if we're talking about natural gifts, you know, you could get somebody to play a guitar, for example, and they can play their guitar. And if there was somebody else who could play guitar, we can get them up as well to play guitar, and they might even be better. There are very natural gifts that we can have. And you, a lot of people here have been blessed with natural gifts. There are some very talented people in very many different fields in this room already. There are people who have done very well in education, in business, in, in all different things. There are people who are very skilled with their hands, with, in sports, in music arts, all that kind of thing. There's very different skills here. And there are people in this room who are very able to do good things, naturally. Often these things are referred to as grace gifts. They're just given to humanity out of God's grace. Or they're things that you, maybe you've worked really hard to attain. And these are natural gifts. But if we build the church on natural gifts, we will have a natural church. We don't want a natural church because that is a club. We need a spirit-filled, spirit-led church. So the only way to have a spirit-filled, spirit-led church is to have spiritual gifts and abilities that operate within this church. So that doesn't mean you don't use your natural abilities because one thing you look in Scripture is how God takes those things that are natural and he anoints them for his purposes. And so it's been interesting recently that, that as we've needed certain things, God has actually brought people into the church that are supplying those needs. People with certain knowledge, people with certain skills that God is bringing. And even when you look at when God was building the temple in the Old Testament, he, they, they, they looked for like carpenters and craftsmen, stonemasons, all that thing, to build the temple. They didn't just say, you know what, we're just going to invite anyone and just we're going to pray for them and just trust that God is going to bless their ability to do this. No, they actually had skilled craftsmen to do that, but they weren't just skilled craftsmen. It said that God came and moved upon them, filled them with his spirit for that task. And so God can use our natural abilities and bless those and I believe, actually extend them as well. But then he also gives us spiritual abilities that are nothing to do with our natural abilities. Now, I know I was reading about a guy and he did very badly at school. He failed English all the time and he was the sort of kid whose teacher said, this guy is not going to amount to much. And then God told him one day, many years on, I, need, I want you to write a book. And he said, no, God, I think you've got the wrong person here. And then God sent two people from different areas to come and tell him, you're going to write a book. And eventually you kind of get that point where you think, okay, God, I get the message. You want to do something here. He said, but I'm no good. I can't do that. And then God, he, but he said, God, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. And he wrote books, and he's written many books, and they're best-selling books. And he didn't say, I want to go back to my teachers and go, eh. I wrote a book. But when we have a spiritual gift, it's something that can actually operate 
despite ourselves. And again, you see that again and again in Scripture where you have someone like Moses who God was said to him, go and talk to Pharaoh. And he said, but I can't. The problem with Moses, he was looking at his natural ability and not trusting in the spiritual ability that God was going to give him to perform the task that he was given. And you know what? God loves to use people outside of their ability. Do you know why? Because that gives him most glory. Because if you're very good at something, naturally, everyone knows you're very good at it, and, they, and you do something, and it works really well, there's not a lot of surprise, and also they say, oh, that's good of you. But if, if you're useless at something, but you allow God to use you, and he does something magnificent through you, then people don't go, oh, you're really good. They're like, how did you manage that? Because you're not really good at that. But you say, no, because it was God, and God enabled me to do this thing. So sometimes when we're thinking about these gifts, sometimes they are connected with our natural abilities, but often they're connected, they're, they're unconnected, and God wants to use you for something that is going to give him most glory. And I think about that even as we think about Tim and Helen moving on, and you could think, wow, Tim's been really important in doing certain things in the church. And Tim's got a great skill set that's enabled certain things. I think, yeah, he has, and God has used that and blessed that. But are we relying on Tim's skill set, or are we relying on God to come and, whether it's to raise someone up, whether it's to bring someone else, to do something different, to empower somebody in their mind in ways that you never thought you could even do. And maybe it's you. That God is going to move upon and anoint and bless and gift in a way that you didn't even know you could. Because you can't, but the Spirit of God inside you can. But are we willing? Are we willing to do that? Or are we going to sit on the bench, even though there is no bench? Because there's no bench, it just means you're sitting on the field. Okay. He gives us these gifts, it says in verse 7, it says, to each is, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And you know, when God comes and gives you a gift, it's not for you. It's for others. He's not giving you a gift for yourself. It is for other people, for the common good, to build up the church. Often when we come together, we can be very, to be honest, selfish. We're like, I need to be blessed. I need to, you know, I need, I need, I need, I need. And we do need. We, you have needs. But do you actually realise that your blessing comes when you bless others? That if your mind is always about thinking about yourself, I need, I need to receive this, I need to receive this. What that would do is it means that you will not give out to others. But one of the greatest blessings you can get is when you pour out yourself to other people. It says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that's a spiritual principle. Because a natural principle is that if I just receive, that's good. That's a natural principle. But God is calling us to a spiritual climate, a spiritual people, and so a spiritual principle is that you get blessing when you give. Now, you can make that very practical. You can think about money, and you think about, actually, if I give to the Lord, I am better off than if I don't. Does that make sense? No. If we think with a natural mind, that makes no sense whatsoever. If you think, you know what, I'm just about paying the bills, I'm just about meeting the end, to give makes absolutely no sense. But it makes no sense when we are thinking naturally. But when we are thinking like spiritual people, because God is saying, you know, there are laws, there are natural laws, but God is saying there are spiritual laws that supersede the natural law. And they're the ones we need to pay attention to. I nearly did preach on being kingdom-minded, but we have that one another day. 
So I'll stop that sermon now and go back onto this one. <laughs> but he's given each of us something, not for ourselves, but that is why we need each other. That is why I need you. Because I can come and give, and I can give, and I can give, and I can give. But I do need as well. But that's your responsibility. Your responsibility is to give so that I can receive, so that I can be built up. Built up. If we're all doing that, then it works, you know? But often, we're waiting for somebody else to make the first move. We want somebody, well, if they do it, then I'll do it. We have to be the one who initiates. We have to be the one who will give ourselves first, give the thing that God has given us to bless others and just trust him that when we do so, others will reciprocate and use what they have given. I was in a church last week, I was visiting a church, and I'd come to preach. And so in my mind, it's like, yeah, I've come and I'm coming to give my, what I've given. And in the, in the build-up to where I was preaching, other people were just giving some testimonies. And it blessed me so much. And it blessed me, and it encouraged my faith that actually, I think it actually probably improved my preaching because of what they did. Because I can come and I can prepare all you want, but actually, do you realise maybe it's something that you do that makes me better? I'm not putting it all on you. But maybe something you do can make my preaching better. In, uh, where is it, verses 8 to 10, it talks about some of these gifts, and I haven't got time for that today. There is a, a sermon I preached, actually, and videoed it for the I Equip course that we're doing, so maybe we'll put that on a link on the email this week that talks about those gifts and what they are and how to use them. But we won't go into that right now. We move on to verse 11. It says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So God is giving little things as he wills. And this is again why I'm coming back to that we can't be looking at other people and saying, God, but I wanted that. Or I want to be that person. I want to be that person. You need to be who God has made you to be. And do you realise that God has called you to be that person because he knows what is best for you. God knows where you can flourish. God knows what is going to be good for you as well. Because do you realise that actually for some of you to have the wrong gift will kill you? Because you can't hold it. You can't move in it. And I realise that in some of the things God has said to me that it's not for you. That's not for you. Because sometimes you can look at people and go, oh, I'd really like to do that. But he said, that's not for you. I've got this for you. And this is better. Are we willing to say, yes, God, let me do the thing that you want? He also knows what is needed. Because sometimes, well, we think about these things in terms of what we want to do, not what God wants to do. And so God... He's looking at the body and he's saying, right, I need an ear. And you're like, well, I'd, I'd rather be a nose. He's like, well, I need an ear. I don't need two noses. I need two ears. And so he's looking at the body and saying, I'm going to place you. Are you willing to be what God needs you to be? Now, this is where analogies fall down because maybe one time he might want you to be an ear, but in another scenario, he might want you to be a nose. But he can do that, miracle-working God. So God has given these gifts for the building up of the church. He's given each one of you a gift, and you are to use that for others, not for yourself. And this is where, when we go into chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, Paul talks to us about the reason and the motivation behind these gifts. Because we can have these things, and they can be very attractive but we have to make sure we're using the right motivation for them. And first, chapter 13 is a very famous chapter because it talks about love and it can be read at weddings, but the context is spiritual gifts and the body of Christ. So it says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong 
or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, I understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. I hope you get the picture here that if we do not have love, all these things are worthless. They are nothing. Love must be our motivator in the use of spiritual gifts. It must be our motivator. Position cannot be a motivator. Power cannot be a motivator. Personal gain or recognition cannot be a motivator. Because sometimes people will look at these things and they'll think, well, if, I, if I'm up on the stage, then people are going to think this about me. Or if I get to do that, then I get influence and I get power and I can do this or that. You know, and we can sometimes think about some gifts for a wrong reason. Even if you want to flip that on the other side, if I get this gift, then no one sees me and no one looks at me. That, again, can be a, a wrong motivation for the gift that God wants to give you. Your motivation should be love. I've been challenged about this again and again, that if I get up and preach... My motivation is not great teaching where you say, Daniel, you opened up that scripture so well, I never knew it was there. You must be so wise and so wonderful. That cannot be my motivation to wow you. My motivation has to be love for you. That in some way you might receive something of God and he might touch your heart in a way that you might be changed and that's what I pray does happen. That God has so much for you that you can receive that. My motivation must be love. And so apply that in any situation that you are in. Whether it's giving a cup of tea, your motivation must be love. If it's in sweeping the hall, your motivation must be love. If it's in giving a prophetic word, your motivation must be love. It can't be anything else. And so think about it. Think about, is my motivation love? Maybe that's something you have to hold on to. And just as you walk with the Lord, that's the thing that keeps you in line with the Lord. That it doesn't become about something else. It doesn't become about what people think about you. It doesn't become about influence and power and things like that. Because as well, I believe that for gifts, for fruit to last, again, it must come out of this. For fruit to last, it must come out of a spiritual dynamic. That again, if we're just a natural church with natural thinking, if we're a natural church, we won't be able to move out of love, I can tell you that. Because our love has limits. But if we allow ourselves to be used by God, then the fruit that is produced by that will have eternal consequences and will last. And maybe that's something that you can remember. And people say these things to me, like where someone came and said something to them when they were so small. Just like, yeah, God loves you. And that's something that stayed with you forever down the line. Maybe nothing else has kept you apart from one little seed that someone sowed in love in the spirit and it stayed with you. The things of love, the things of the spirit will last. But here's our challenge as we go through even further into chapter 14. Paul says, pursue love. So keeping this as the first place, the first thing that we have to think about. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. I want to put that challenge out to you. Do you earnestly desire spiritual gifts? Have you, this week, have you earnestly desired spiritual gifts? Maybe you haven't even thought about it. And you're thinking, God, I'm just trying to keep going. I'm just trying to focus on you. But actually realizing that God has given us these gifts to enable us to keep going, 
to enable us to have strength and to be built up, and not to just for ourselves, but for others as well, to build one another. Because again, we can just be so focused in our own walk with God. God, I'm just making it through. God, I've got this to do, I've got this to do, I've got this to do. That we're not thinking about how we can encourage one another. Can you think this week when maybe there would have been a time where you would have really appreciated someone else bringing something of the Spirit of God into your life? When you were having a bad day, you know, and just if you, maybe there was a text that you got and just said, praying for you, here's a verse, you know, something just to encourage you. A word of God put into your heart. That could have made a real difference in your life. But do you realise that you could have been the person to do that for somebody else? And that actually, if we, as a church, if we are doing that to each other, how amazing would that be? She says, especially that you may prophesy. Especially, have you prophesied recently? Have you spoken forth the word of God to other people? Now, we can give many words that are nice or wise, but actually, when you speak the word of God, it has power. I remember just sharing a verse with somebody, and I thought it was just nothing much, you know. It's just like, and I thought, where's this even come from? You know, have I just made this up? Is it just because of this? Or I don't know. I shared it with them, but it greatly impacted their life. It, I didn't have any, it was nothing for me, but the word of God had power in it. And so actually realizing that each of us can be moving in these spiritual realms to empower and encourage one another. Our words are powerful, and I really want to encourage you to use them well. So how do you know what gift you have? I believe sometimes you just know. It's in your knower. Because I remember when I, I became a Christian when I was 13. And by, I think by the age of 14, I knew I was to teach the, the word. I just knew it. And all throughout my life, I've just, that's what I wanted to do. And it's come out in various ways. But the point is, what is the one thing that if you could not do, it would, you'd blow up, you'd explode? Because if you told me that I could never teach the word of God again, for one thing, I would never read it because I cannot read it without wanting to teach it. So I would never read the word of God. I, it, would, it just bubbles up in me and I will always find a way somehow, whether it's here, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on text, whether it's on iEquip, whether it's on whatever it might be, life group, house group, community group, whatever it might be, I'll find a way that I'm going to come and share this word of God with somebody because it's something that God has put in me that I cannot keep down. And so sometimes you just know it's in there and it's bubbling up. What is the one thing, if you could no longer do it, it would kill you? That's a good way of knowing the other way is to ask. It's not a bad thing to do. We're encouraged by Michelle, ask. You know, God's not like, well, I'm not going to tell you. He's like, ask me. I remember when I was at Bible school, we were sent away. Um, we were teaching about spiritual gifts, and they sent us away and said, go and pray about it. Write down what you feel God is saying to you about your gifting. And, and there were some already. I was like, yeah, that, that, that. I know that. And then God said to me, healing. I was like, what? Um, I don't think so. And I, I'd never thought about it before. Never thought about it before. And God said it in that moment. And I was like, all right. It's one of those gifts because actually I'm not very good at healing. I can put a plaster on, but that's about it. I, I can't heal you. I cannot heal you. I cannot do anything to help you medically. I did a first aid course and please don't ever fall down in front of me because I really probably can't remember anything. I'll just be praying for you. You know? Maybe that's the best thing. But God said to heal it. And I said, okay, God, if that's you, 
then you've got to do that because I can't do it. And so I just said, okay. And then God has led me down a path. And even tonight is part of the outworking of that call of God 19 years ago. Taking a while, getting there eventually. Maybe it should have been a bit before now. But you actually realise that, well, actually, when you start praying for people, they get healed. Okay, that's good. It's not of me, it's of God. And I would never would have thought that, but I was open to it, and God put that in my heart. So if you're not sure, ask. And then just do. That's the third thing. If you're not sure, just do it. What is, what's before you? What's in front of you? There are opportunities that God will open up to you. And some things you'll do it, and you're like, no, this is not what God has got for me. But some things will resonate with you, and you'll be like, yeah, this is, I sense something, I sense a joy in this, I sense... A, a role in this for me. I come alive when I'm doing this. So just being open to God. But the danger is we can just sit there thinking, all right, I'm just going to wait for God to do something. I'm going to wait for God to reveal something. But my encouragement is don't wait, but get in the game. Because sometimes, even naturally, like, I realise I'm not a centre-forward I loved playing centre-forward, but I just wasn't very good at it. I couldn't score many goals. But there were other things I was really good at. I was good at taking corners. And so I realised that in time. And other people realised that, and I did it. And so just by doing it, you realise sometimes, yeah, God's in this. God's hand is upon that. But also, if you're not aware, ask someone around you. Often other people around you can be pretty good indicators uh, of what your gifting is. They're like, yeah, you're this. And it's obvious to everyone else apart from you. But to actually take the thing that God has given you and run with it and go with it and be a blessing to others with it. It is not for you, it is for others. It's important to know that we will give account before God for the way we have used the thing that he has given us. Because I want to encourage you, because I do not want to stand there you just stand there before God one day and he says, well, what did you do with that? And you go, well, no one ever really told me I could do it. No one ever encouraged me to use it. This is your moment to say you are encouraged, you are permissioned, you, you can go with it. Go with that thing that God has put on your heart because I don't want to be there standing behind you on that day going, oh, I forgot to tell them. No, God is saying go for it. We're not talking about salvation. We're not talking about heaven and hell. But we're talking about God saying, what did you do with what I gave you to do? And I don't want you to be looking at your shoes on those days and going, well. I want you to say, God, I, I hopefully I used it every opportunity you gave me. And also to realise that we are contributing to this body. The other analogy that I have is it's actually a, as a family. We are a family. And if you were part of a family, you wouldn't just, everyone's in a, in a healthy family, everyone contributes. And this is a family. We are a family here. And I want to encourage you to be part of that. Not to take any excuse not to be. Not to say, I'm not ready, I'm not good enough. Because all those things are swept aside when you realise it's God that would do it in you but you just have to be available and willing. And so my question this morning is, are you available? Are you willing to, to just give yourself to God? To say, I'm not going to sit on the sidelines, I'm not going to try and not be part of this, but I'm going to be part of what God wants me to be. And God will empower you to do it. That's the good thing. He will empower you. You don't have to worry about that bit. He will empower you and he will lead you and what he wants you to do. So let's pray. And I'm going to pray that God will just reveal these things to your heart this morning. Also that God will renew our mind because we want to start or continue thinking spiritually, not naturally. So I pray, Lord, this morning that you would reveal to our hearts, Lord, the thing that you have called us to do. If we're unaware of it, Lord, that you would speak something, even right at this moment,
just right now, put a word in people's hearts to show them the, the thing that you want them to do. And it might be something really simple. But realising that sometimes it's a simple thing that is so important. Will you put that on people's hearts? Help us, Lord, to not be selfish. Help us not to just think of our own need, but look to serve one another, to love one another. Help us to trust you, Lord God. Lord, that when you are calling us to do something that is completely beyond ourselves, that we would not trust in our own resources, we will not trust in our own ability, but we will trust that you will equip us to do the thing that you have called us to do. Lord, you will anoint us, Lord, with your spirit, that even not just in the church, but in our workplaces, Lord God, that you would move in these giftings, that we can bless other people, that we can do our jobs well in our homes, that we can raise our families well using these spiritual gifts and manifestations that you have given to us. In all this, Lord, help us to seek you because you are the giver. Help us to be found in you because that is where you empower us. That we wouldn't try and do these things in our own strength, but you would lead us and lead this church to be a spirit-filled, spirit-led church. Spirit-filled, spirit-led individuals. That you might be glorified. That you might be glorified in this community. You might be glorified with those people we're around. That when they say, how do you do those things? We can point to you and you get the glory. We receive this word now in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.